0: Welcome, this is the Sales IQ podcast. My name is Luigi Preston and I'm on a mission to help salespeople be the best sales professionals they can be. Each week, we will bring you a different message from thought leaders from around the globe so we can help you master the art of selling. Welcome to another episode of the Sales IQ podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Preston and as always, I'm pumped and excited that you've decided to join us for what will be an epic episode. What I love working about, um, you know, with companies from various industries in my role is that I have the privilege to work with high-performing sales professionals who are at the top of their industry. When I talk to high-performing sales professionals, I find they all have one thing in common, a growth mindset. Today, we're joined by Coach Dana, who for over 13 years was the high-performance coach at New York Yankees. Coach Dana now coaches people in business who are looking for that edge. During this episode, we'll talk about the characteristics high performers exhibit. What part is skill and what part is attitude? Our show is now increasing in listeners each week, and we, we have an, a ton of guests who are lining up and asking to come on, which is insane considering we only started a few months ago. That's due to our listeners, so I wanna thank you. Before we get into today's session, don't forget to like us, comment, and share what you enjoy about the show. Also, if there's something you don't agree with, please tell me. Your feedback is what makes this important. Hit me up, email me Luigi, L U I G I, at salesiqgroup.com. So, hope you enjoyed this show as I am absolutely pumped to be able to share some wisdom from the great Coach Dana. Coach Dana, welcome to the Sales IQ podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, this is super exciting. You know, as a as a big sports fan, um, mate, and you know, somebody who's completely intrigued by what it takes to become a high performer, I'm really excited about diving deep into, you know, the topic of what is high performance. Um, you know, what makes high performers different, and how can we, you know, how can we take some of these strategies that can enable us to get more out of our day in work uh, and in life, man. So really, really excited about this.
1: Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me. Yeah,
0: awesome, man. So, mate, before we dive into this session, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the world of, you know, high-performance coaching.
1: Well, you know, um, for me, I I started in high-performance coaching because I needed a lot of coaching. (laughs) So that's how I got into it. You know, I'm, I'm from the New York area as you may be able to tell from my accent. Yep. And, uh, you know, I ended up going to college down in Florida. I was a baseball player, played in college. And, uh, you know, throughout my journey, I realized that my talent was only going to get me so far. So I had to really rely on, you know, I had to rely on coaches to, to what I say, wring out the sponge and kind of get every little drop and drip of talent out of me. And, and they really helped me, the good ones. The bad ones really hurt me. Yeah. So that, that uh, you know, was where I first learned about coaching and the experience of being coached. And, and to be honest with you, I fell in love with it. And, you know, the coaches that were great changed my life. And the ones that sucked, they also changed my life. And, <laughs> and so I, I learned that I never want to coach anybody in that way. But I did fall in love with the career, um, you know, of, of coaching. So, you know, I went to the University of South Florida, actually in Tampa, and it's actually a a place where there's a lot of uh, preseason baseball that takes place. A lot of spring training takes place there. And, um, you know, I I started as an intern with my college football team. And, you know, one day I I just caught wind that the Yankees were going to be in town. So I, I drove my beat up car up to the stadium and I pulled out my camera phone and I was taking pictures of great players like Derek Jeter. And I was taking pictures of guys like Mariana Rivera through a chain link fence. And literally that day I ended up going back to my internship and that the coach I was working under there said, Hey, Dana, listen, I just got a call from the Yankees. They're looking for somebody to basically, you know, work the weight room, hand out towels, hand out water and watch the place. Yeah. You know, uh, to make sure nobody gets hurt. Would you have any interest, any interest in that? And I said, you know what? As a matter of fact, I just got back from there. I'd be very interested. And the next day, you know, I pulled up to that same field. I had a parking spot waiting for me this time. I didn't have to walk a mile and a half like I did <laughs> last time to get free parking. And um, they threw a credential around my neck with a C for clubhouse and an F for field access <laughs> in the lower right uh, hand portion of the uh, of the credential. They threw me in a Yankee uh, uniform. And next thing you know, I'm in the middle of that same field I was taking a picture of um a day earlier with wow. those players so it's kind of a you know a dream come true but there was a lot that went into it before even getting there and it was hey I was a New York guy why did I go to school in Tampa right the preparation I knew the Yankees were there and I knew a handful of other teams were there I knew that my baseball ability to play was not going to get me to where I wanted to go so I had to figure out a, a, an alternative route to get to my my destination and and that's really how my how my journey started. I have a degree in sports medicine. Um, and really my passion is to rehabilitate, um, people and players as well as train them for high performance. So both physically and mentally, that's, that's what I do that's in, awesome, in both sports and business. Yeah.
0: So you were, you know, you knew what you wanted and you had a path to get there somehow you knew and you manifested it and you worked on your goals.
1: Yeah, I you know I knew where I wanted to go. Yeah, I'd be lying to you if I said I had an exact path, and <laughs> I found that to be true for yeah pretty much everything that I that that I've achieved in life, as well as the high performers, you know that I work with, you know, both in sports and business, etc. You know, they know where they want to go. We have an idea as to what it looks like, and then we start to take our vision and we visualize it. Yep, and then somehow the steps when we start to work hard and we start to really identify what it is that we want, the steps sort of start to show themselves
0: Mm.
1: and doors open and certain doors close.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now that's insane. And then, so now like, you know, you spent over a decade with, you know, one of the biggest sporting brands, New York Yankees. And now you take what you've learned in, in, in creating high performance cultures, you know, within a team and you help, people from, you know, business people to athletes, et cetera. Um, and can you tell us a bit more about sort of that work that you do?
1: Yeah. So I'll just tell you how I got into it. You know, um, when, I, when I'd be on the field before games, there'd be a lot of VIPs from the world of business yeah. in particular that would be on the field watching us practice. So I always made it a point to go up and, and introduce myself and say hello to them. And they started to ask me questions about, you know, how can I improve this? Hey, I'm stressed. How do I help? How do I eliminate my stress? Or hey, I'm overweight. How can I lose 10 pounds? Or whatever the question was, it always related to personal performance. And yeah. here's these people that were really good at what they did, but they wanted to get better. And I said, Wow, these these people in the world of business are just like athletes. Yeah. You know, they they want to get better. They have a desire to get better. So I said, Well, why don't I start Coaching, you know, people like this, mm. and um, and ultimately, I started with one guy that was, uh, you know, he owned a healthcare company, he owned a, a professional sports team in, in the NBA here in the United States, and that's how I how I got my start um, in the world of business, and and then I started to go deeper and deeper, and I started to see what people in corporate America deal with, the yeah. pressures, the deadlines, the stress, the anxiety, the long hours, the the chaotic travel, and I said, wow. Unlike athletes, these people are not prepared to do the yeah. job and not trained for the job that that they engage in. Like, they're looking for more training, like tactical X's and O's training. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm, I'm looking at them after I evaluate them. I said, they don't have the tools physically to even last in this job that they're doing. So there's no wonder they can't sell. They're exhausted.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know absolutely. what I
1: mean? How do you have any energy, charisma, desire to change somebody's life? And passion for your product if you're absolutely exhausted. So I said, all right, I got to get these people, I got to help them get their energy back. I have to help them balance out their day the right way. Mm. And in doing that, we started to see some big change for these individuals. And that, that bought me in even more. And, um, and, and that's what I, what I love to do. And, yeah. and I do things very atypically because the world of sports is very, Hey, you know, I'm hurt. What do I do? Or, Hey, I'm down. What do I do? And we start to react, you know, to, to what's in front of us as opposed to using theories and models and like perfect world, you know, um, you know, uh, modalities and things like that. It doesn't work like that. So for me, it's when I work with people, what do we need to do? Here's what we're going to do. And we go after it, as opposed to like typical therapy where,
0: you know, you could be there for a year and nothing changes. It's such an interesting concept that you raised, man. Like I never thought about it like that. Like athletes are prepared, you know, they're trained, they're 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 prepared for that pressure that comes with, you know, with the um with the role. Yet you know, the training that most organizations give a, a new person or existing workers, like here's two days, three days, maybe an induction of a couple of weeks and then bang. Um and then they're yeah. expected to perform at a certain level. Um and you know, and when they don't then there's performance improvement plans or they get managed out. And and I often say that the, 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 the derived impact that, you know, poor performance has in a workplace, it reaches so many other levels. Like it's a mum or a dad that's got to go home and deal with their family knowing that they're not performing at work or they're not meeting the expectations at work. Um, you know, it's the impact that they might have to drink or to not eat well or to bit. you know what I mean? There's all those other things that can occur. And If I relate it back to the world of sales, man, like you know, the data is telling us that only it's around sixty percent of people are meeting quota. So that's a lot of people that are you know potentially going home asking themselves questions about their career, what they could be doing differently, questioning their capability, confidence. So it's really interesting that you say that athletes are, you know, provided with that or they're prepared for the pressure, man. Yeah, to 100
1: hundred percent. But they, they prepare. But, it t- you know, it takes a lot of work. Yeah. You know, what people don't understand about high performing athletes is, you know, they have stress. They ha- have anxiety. They have doubt. They have fear. At times they're nervous. Um, you know, they have families. They're traveling all over the place. Yeah. They still have real life stuff that goes on. But when you can talk to them about it and learn about it, you can help them to shift their own perspectives on things, and put plans in place to manage, you know, these things. I always said, wouldn't it be amazing if everybody in life had a coach or yeah. somebody to help them manage their own life, and when they feel something and they work to deal with it, they have somebody that can help them to deal with it, and and it's amazing. When you give people support, things change, and, and it's hard for people to find support, yep. sometimes from within their own company, because there's a oftentimes a a trust issue in that, hey, well, if I don't hit my quotas, I could get fired. So if I tell this person about my real life and some of the personal struggles that I'm dealing with, they're going to say, well, that's why you're not hitting your quota. (laughs) Let's go get rid of you and find someone that can. And that that freaks people out. So people become very closed. um, And then sometimes they take their work issues home and they start talking to their significant other about it. And then that leads to divorce 18 to, tw- you know, yeah, to yeah. 27 months down the road. Cause you know, it's just, you're bringing your problems home and nobody wants to hear that all day. So it's kind of, um, it's, it's just, it's interesting, but I, I have found that a lot of folks in the world of business are not prepared to play yeah. what I call the most competitive sport in the world with the most brilliant minds in the world playing, which is the sport of business.
0: Yeah. It's insane, isn't it, man? And you bring it – look, there's so much within what you just said, you know what I mean, like about the leadership element and the trust component because you're right that, you know, with leadership – and that's what I love about Simon Sinek. He talks about, you know, trust is the foundation of leadership, you know what I mean, when there's – and you've got to have trust and empathy, but it's kind of, to, to some extent, there's conflicting outcomes that a leader has when, you know, they're talking to one of their, one of their, one of their people because, A, they're trying to get the result – but B, they've also got to be empathetic and to help, you know, in that, in that event that somebody's going through some difficult times. Um, yeah. We'd love to understand from your perspective, what, like, you know, we talk, when we hear about high performance, what, what's your definition?
1: Hmm. Well, listen, you know, you could look at high performance and say, you know, the person or the team that has high performance has separated from the pack, Okay, that's, yeah. that's a very simple way to put it. That person or that team has separated from what is known as average within an organization or within a population. So that's, that's a high performer. Yep. Um, that, that's really the way I, the way I look at it. So where's the pack and where are you? Yeah, where's okay. the, where's the team, where's the rest of the teams and where are you? And if you're in that mix, you relative to that pack and that group are not a high performer Mm. but you may be a high performer in that you came from a previous pack that was (laughs) below the one that that you're currently in so it's a really interesting um way to look at it so i i don't it's hard to give high performer and high performance a very clear definition that's not found in the the Mm. dictionary or you know, in guru land. Yeah. So I always say, you know, my goal is to help you separate from
0: the pack. That's um, And yeah.
1: oftentimes it starts with helping you separate from yourself.
0: Yeah. Because for me, I go, you know, often, you know, if you think about the definition and go, well, how is success defined? Is it defined by the end result? Or are there other metrics that you measure your performance on? Because, you know, to some, and this is what I wanted to ask you, I thinking about this question, is to say there's so many things that fall outside of control in sport and in business, right? So if we're not achieving the result, can we still achieve high performance?
1: Yeah. Well, I think it depends. Again, it always goes back to your definition of it. So for me, when I start working with people, the first thing I ask them is, hey, how do you define winning for yourself, right? How do you define winning for yourself? What does that look like? For yourself. When I ask you to define winning, I want you to define it for me. You tell me what it means to you. And you do the same thing when it comes to working with a company or with a team. Hey, what does winning mean and what does winning look like to you? Mm. And you will be amazed at how many people and how many teams are unable to answer that question. Yeah. It's amazing, right? Or when you talk to a team and you ask them and they define it, and then you ask the individuals that make up the team to define what winning means to them personally and then they can't define it. So what happens is, you know, it's hard to be a high performer because you don't know what you're you're yeah. you're performing in. You don't even know what you're you're chasing. You don't know what you're building. You don't so you end up showing up and you end up looking at charts and drawing lines and, you know, running your salesforce, you know, you're in the app and you you know you're 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 in your dashboard, but you don't know what's driving you. Yeah. And you don't know what you're driving yourself towards. So it's impossible you know, really to win big. And I think that's what fatigues people out quite a bit. They don't really know what they're going after and what they're all about and what they're really, um, you know, looking to build and what it, how it all interrelates.
0: Yeah. And you find that, cause I mean, you coach, you know, you coach billionaires, you coach, um, you know, um, business people, uh, a whole range of people. Do you find that, that, that's a, a, a an opportunity that you've, you've, you've found that, that, not everybody had that winning strategy or defined what winning looks like?
1: Yeah. I, I yeah. think they go through different points in their life. Like when you deal with somebody that's like a startup entrepreneur, yeah, they feel supercharged for the <laughs> first three years of their business as the business is growing and building. And, and the closer they get to potentially selling to like private equity, the more scared some of them get. They start mm. to freak out because – you know, they, they're now going into a land that's so new to them. They love the build. They love the grow. They love the excitement of, of a new product release, but now they, they, they're going into sales mode and they have to go sell this company. And, and now they don't know what they're going to do the day after they sell. So it freaks them out a little bit. So they knew what winning was. And then all of a sudden they get to this point where they're like, oh my gosh, is this what I, what I want to do? And they, and they spooked themselves. So that's, you know, that's one example. Yeah. And then you have other people that have already won several times and they're trying to figure out what their next win is. And then you have the people that I coach that that are actually by their own definition, they're winning, but they don't realize it. Yeah, like yeah. when they go through their list, they're winning on every level, family, social, uh, economically, finance, financial, the company's performing, but they still don't feel like they're winning. And yep. they still feel, so, so you have to kind of show that to them and, and then all of a sudden they go, because ah. if you think about sales and you think about entrepreneurship, right? Yep. You're always running, you're running to build, you're, run, you're always in, in chase mode and run mode and you're not oftentimes in reflect mode where you're, you're thinking about what you've done because if you, you, the numbers of yesterday don't mean anything for today. Right, what you did last quarter, last year, last year's over. This is a new year, so the performance expectation—it's um, always there.
0: Yeah. That's,
1: so yeah, absolutely,
0: you know? man. That's one of the things with sales. You know, you're only as good as today's numbers, right? Like you can't—you can't rest on going. Well, that's what I achieved last quarter, or last month, or last week, because the dial ticks back over. It goes back to zero, and you got to start There's- again. So it's a really, you yeah. know, you always, so I love that analogy, always running.
1: Yeah. And, that, and that's what makes, that's what makes sales, you know, an exhausting profession. If you're not mentally and physically equipped, you know, to participate in it. Like I see a lot of sales guys out there. They're more your typical, um, you know, the, how you would think of a sales guy, ha, 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 ha. they're always <laughs> on the go. They're yeah. always pushing. Listen, your, your body and your mind, they only have so much to give. Yeah. So you need to learn how to conserve your energy. So for me, like if I do a talk, like I do a lot of corporate speaking, like I'm on a hundred percent off the wall. But after that, you know, I'm a complete introvert. You know, I go right <laughs> yeah. to my room and, and I, you know, I'm i I'm a different person and, and you have to know how to deploy and conserve your own energy. And if you don't, if you don't know how to deploy and conserve. Well, then you better figure out how you're going to gain gain more energy and what you're going to do to gain it because you're gonna you're gonna lose it and you're gonna end up eventually in deprivation.
0: Yeah, and see that's my biggest challenge, man. Is that um, I, I approach what I do with such intensity that yeah. I find it just mentally. I try to keep, you know, I get up early, man. I try to train nearly every day because I know the importance of, you know, physical conditioning on the brain. Right. Um, and when I don't, I feel foggy, you know, but, but I do, I I approach things with such intensity and then I get home and my kids are looking at me and, and i got nothing, (laughs) you know what I mean? And so, and that's a challenge. That's a real, you know, that's a real challenge that I face um, in my life is going, or how do I conserve some energy during the day? to actually deal with the people that are the most important to my life. You know what I mean? To come home and have that conversation with them and not just go through the motions of the conversation.
1: Well, ultimately that's why you're, that's why you're selling, right? So everyone, Absolutely, everyone's, man. you know, the
0: big yeah. talk
1: now is everyone says, what's your why? <laughs> I know that, you know, that's, that's like, you know, you hear that a million times a day yeah. now, but, but ultimately it's like, you got to know what, what you're building and what you're building it for Um, so if you don't have the energy to spend with the people that mean the most to you or doing the things even recreationally Mm. that mean the most to you, you know, that's a problem. And and that's what you see here in the States. You know, people don't know how to turn off here. They're on all day. There's no social, um, every, every, even when they socialize, it's driven with motive, right? Of, of, you know, how do I get ahead? Or I'm going to socialize with this group so I can get ahead. I'm going to network here so I can get ahead you know, recreation, people are not participating in much recreation. And what happens is, you know, they're just getting through their day so they can start working again. And I have a, a people that I work with, you know, they, they have dinner with their family and boom, they're right back to work, yeah. you know, until 930, 10 o'clock at night, only to get up at five and start over again. And it's like, I try to put, uh, you know, I call them goalposts in the ground for people and say, hey, your personal time is here to here. Your work time is here to here. You know, your family time is here to here and you're going to stick to that. And I guarantee you, if you stick to that, your productivity is going to go up because you're not going to waste any time. You're not going to take the phone call that you know is a dud. You're not going to be checking your email all day because you don't have time to check your email all day. You're going to do things that matter and that is what's going to get your performance to elevate.
0: Yeah. And when you, you know, during your time um, in baseball, did you find that, you know, some of the guys that really were hungry for success found it difficult to switch off and actually, you know, get some more balance? And if so, yeah. how did you help him come to that realization that you're actually counter, you know, it's 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 a counterproductive?
1: Yeah, well, what's really interesting is it's funny that you asked this question because I, I always talk about it. The best players, the players that are going to be in the Hall of Fame, the greatest ever. Yeah they were usually the last ones there and the first ones to leave. Yeah. Right? So the players that were on the fringe and trying to get there were guys that really weren't as good. They just worked all day long. Mm. So, again, big difference, right? The best of the best, they had the last one there, first one to leave. The other guys were were the first ones there and the last ones to leave, (laughs) but their performance wasn't elevating. Yeah. So it got me to really – identify and study the habits of these players that were the best of the best. The difference was the players that were the first ones there and the last ones to leave, they were spending time, but they weren't actually doing focused work. Now when you looked at the best of the best, they got there late and left early, but it was all business when they got there. They had a full plan that they Mm -hmm. executed to perfection every day. They weren't doing a lot but they knew exactly what they needed to do as individuals to be prepared to play that night and every other night. They also understood if they do too much, they're going to be tired. So they, they knew exactly what they needed as individuals, people that work a lot and people that are always doing and doing and doing and doing, oftentimes they're burning themselves out. And and again, the, the highest performing folks I work with in business it's the same thing. Yeah, They're doing less than everybody else, but they're achieving more. They're doing the same thing, getting there late and leaving early, but their efficiency when they're there is just on things that move the needle. So again, I always encourage people, when you look at your day, what are you doing that's moving your needle? What are your IPAs, as I like to call them, your income producing activities? And what are your EDAs, which is your energy draining activities? You got to know that your IPAs are at a much higher ratio than your EDAs, you know, to your EDAs. So a lot of people are wasting time and the best of the best, they don't burn out fatigue because they're not wasting time and they rest. The professional athletes, they sleep a lot. They they value their
0: rest. Yeah. Yeah, that's insane. I really like that. I like the concept of um, energy draining initiatives because you're right, like – you know, in my in my um, journey, I'm, I'm talking to some of the highest performing sales uh, people in their industry, and it's interesting to see that, you know, they are so disciplined with their time, and uh, they're selfishly efficient, you know what I mean? Yep. They are planned, they know what they've got to do, and they will not... You know, they will not let outside influence impact their plan if if it's if it um, affects their focus if it's not you know on what on the, what they call the high payoff outcomes. So it's really interesting to see there's a direct correlation between you know what elite sports people are doing and what elite sales people are doing. So I really appreciate you sharing that with us.
1: Yeah, you, you got it. You know, you got to create the, you have to create those boundaries. Yeah, or else ev- everything just flows into one another and. And uh, you'll be amazed at how much you could achieve when you set up actual, um, you know, boundaries for work. Like I tell, you know, people, you work most effectively in 90-minute intervals. So people that sit at their desk for three hours, your productivity is going to be crap. You know, no more than 90 minutes. Take a break. Do something active. Do something physical. You know, change your mind. You know, change your patterns. And then sit back down, you know. but. But ultimately, you can't just sit at a desk all day thinking you're going to be, you know, productive. Unless maybe you're writing a book and it's it's all, you know, you're flowing. Yeah. But that, the chances of that happening every day are, are very low.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And look, we've all been there, man. I've been in those meetings that go for two, three hours. And, man, I reckon by the 60-minute, 90-minute, I'm gone skis, man. I'm, I'm completely lost in some other thought. I'm just going, yeah. mate, stay awake, stay awake, stay awake because I just want to go to sleep. And I need that, you know, that yeah. coffee shop to get me going, man. So, hundred percent, coach. You mentioned earlier, man, like um, about you know you had great coaching and you also had bad coaching. Um, I, w- I want to explore this if this is all right. So, what what actually makes what makes a great coach? Hmm.
1: Well, you know what makes a great coach is a coach that can get to the get themselves to the level of the person in which they're coaching. Right. So, yeah. you know, there's people that they take a very elitist mentality mm. as it relates to coaching, you know, like, Hey, I'm better than you. Let me show you how to be great. Yeah. That's not usually a very good way to do it. Um, the better way to do it is, is, Hey, tell me what you're dealing with. How you, how are you feeling? How does that make you feel? And it's getting onto the level where you allow your people to have a voice. You allow your people to speak. You allow your people to participate in the conversation in order to drive the conversation. Right. So people think leadership is about, you know, standing on the Hill, you know, with your rifle and your flag in the air. And, you know, it's, it doesn't, it's not about that. Leadership doesn't always have to be a very, you know, intense and vocal, um, thing. It just doesn't have to be. You can coach people and you can lead people just by letting them know that, that you're there with them. Yeah. I got you, man. And it could be, hey, listen, if you need anything, you make sure you let me know, Yep. Yeah. but actually meaning it. And yeah. then maybe a week later, checking on that person and seeing how they're doing. So that's 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 one way to lead, right? Yeah. That I, what I just suggested and, and that makes somebody a good coach. Now, part two is there's also coaching where hey I'm gonna get on your ass and I'm gonna drive I'm gonna drive you yep now there's certain players that respond really well to that there's other players that will rebel against you and other people that will rebel against you with that sort of mentality so ultimately what makes a great coach is you got to know the people that you're coaching and what they respond to and when to use certain tools in order to get the most out of them. Like I've had people that I've worked with that I've had a really challenge and I'm talking challenge, like, you know, calling them out. It's ugly, but you know what? It's amazing how they rise to the occasion. And Mm -hmm. sometimes when, when you're dealing with a high ego or you're dealing with a type A high horsepower personality, that's had (laughs) a lot of success, you got to, you have to almost embarrass them through challenge, you know, like, you know and and it's interesting how how they respond so it's everybody's different um and that doesn't go for all type a high performers mm-hmm. it's just there's some that you got to get them out of themselves because they're so yeah. into themselves that they can't see anything else
0: yeah it's really interesting man so so and just on that have it's part of that you know you said that you've got the the guys that you've got to challenge um in your career was there a time where you just couldn't get them to a point of awareness that they needed to make a change.
1: Yeah. I, I'll give you an example. Uh, there was a guy that I was working with in the private equity space, yeah. you know, and um, you know, he wanted coaching, but he knew all the answers <laughs> and he wanted coaching <laughs> yeah. and you, you told him what you wanted him to do and what the program looked like. And he was trying to give his input on something he knew everything, nothing about because he wanted to be in control. So yeah. you can't, you're not, co- you're either coachable or you're not coachable. You either, you know, are open to trying and suggesting, suggestion, or you are so much of a control freak that you can't allow yourself to be open enough. And and what I will say about the top performers, man, so open. Hall of Fame players, guys that are, again, the greatest of the greatest. Open. Yeah. Hey, what do I have today? What what do you want me to do today? I mean, are you kidding me? That's amazing. Yeah, but then there's is the person that's not performing that'll tell you, you know, how they how to do it. <laughs> and it doesn't make this doesn't make sense to me. So that was one example yeah. you know of, of a guy that wanted to change and was unwilling to change because he really didn't want to change.
0: And if we're if we're like say we're a sales leader or a or a business leader listening to this episode and going, Man, I've got yeah. some people in my team. I've got some fixed mindset people that know everything whenever I try to give them feedback. Um, You know, what are some strategies they can employ to either get the person to a point of, you know, wanting or or realizing they need to change versus it's time for me to go.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, here's the thing, man. For me, I, I keep it really simple. Yeah. If you, if you're on my team and and as a team, this is what we all agree to. And you're not willing to agree, then you then you can't be on my team. It's just the way it is. And Absolutely, I yeah. I meet so many people in sales that run sales teams, and it's like they're a, this person on their team is what I they're a, they're a um, a low output, high maintenance player, and they still keep them. Yep. Yeah. And it's like no, they're low maintenance. They're 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 low output and high maintenance. They gotta go. If this person's a a high maintenance person and a high production player, you can give them a little bit more leeway. Mm. But ultimately if they don't conform to the team, they're going to be a problem. But now the sales manager says, Hey, or sales leader says, but they're so productive. They're bringing so much to the table. If we lose them, we're going to lose all of the, you know, all that they bring to the table, but you gotta, you gotta let them go because they're, they're just not a good player for your team. Yeah. So what I find it's so it's amazing how 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 many people that lead sales teams are afraid of their own team. So if you're afraid of of the people you lead, then you're not a leader. You have to say, hey, you know what? This is what we stand for, this is what we believe in. And we only have people on our team that are that are about that. And if they're not, then they're out.
0: It's just that simple. And very hard to do. Absolutely, man. I find you know I got I got some sales leaders i coaching at the moment, right? And one in particular, they've got a performer in their team. Um, you know, does amazing results, but the impact to culture that that person has is really negative, right? And it's always the the leader comes to the defence of the individual because you know, they're worried about the impact that, that loss of revenue will have on the team. Yeah. But what I see and what I'm, I'm trying to help them realize is, well, that's one person. But then the other, you know, 15 to 20 that are in that team, think about the impact it's having across those people and their performance um, so yeah. it's really interesting, right? And we see that in a lot of sporting clubs, you know, um, in, in a whole variety of different sports. I mean, we see it in soccer. I mean, I'm a big, you know, round ball fan and, um, yeah. you know, that you've got a star player who's all about him. He's posting Instagram posts, etc., but to the, to the detriment of the team, right? Yeah. And how one player, just because they spent 100 million on him, um, you know, they think, well, but he's our star performer, but, but hang on, what about all the, what about, what about the rest? What about the impact it's having on game day and the, and the issues with the coach? So, so that's pretty, that's a pretty important part of leadership, right? Knowing when to, when to cut someone.
1: Yeah. And, and you know what I always say, you get what you tolerate. So (laughs) if you're going to tolerate that, you're going to get more of that. So at the end of the day, great leaders, they put their foot down and say, Hey, you know what? These are my boundaries. These are my barriers. I'll let you play a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, at the same time, you know, this is how we do. We always used to say, this is how we do things here. You know, you may have done it another way somewhere else. But as a group over the years, this is how we do it here. And if you're not willing to play by these rules, then you can't be on our team. It's that simple. I'm not saying you're a bad player. You may be the greatest player. And you see this happen in sports. You see teams in every sport that bring on the big-name player. They pay them the most and they still lose, or they have a bad culture. Mm. And all I hear about in corporate America now, or corporate, is, is culture. Yeah. Culture, culture, culture. If you want culture, culture takes guts. As a leader, you need guts. If, and, and, and that's what it takes to have good culture, because good culture is the result of people working together that want to be together, and are completely aligned towards the same mission, vision, and goal. Yeah. Man, right. So yeah, yeah, culture happens when you don't put your foot down as a leader and you allow somebody to tell you how it's going to be when they're not in a position to do that. You know, that's, that's what I find.
0: Yeah. That's You know, that, that's why I love comparing sport to business because there's so many, you know, there's so many um, similarities in the decisions that we make as leaders or as business owners that, you know, we, we accept a certain behavior. It becomes the norm. Right. And then we, you know, yeah. trying to get, remove that behavior from our business is even more difficult because we didn't, you know, oh, yeah. because we talk, and then we're like, oh shit, right now it's, uh, <laughs> now it's, it's in my business, you know, and now I'm making the yeah. change even harder. Right. So it's really interesting. I often say, you know, like, and again, another client, you know, we've got a high performer or they think it's a high performer, but the guy just completely burns through leads. Um, and he has no respect for the leads and and he's not worried about the customer experience, but he's getting the conversions. I'm like, well, you tolerate that. It's going to become, it's going to become the norm. And then, you know, you're going to try to break that. Yeah. And he's making commissions and he's, you know, bringing home bank and that. And I'm like, but you're rewarding the wrong behaviors there. You know what I mean? Um, mate, this is awesome, man. So, and in your book, right, you've, you've obviously, um, you authored a book around, you know, high performance and what it, what it takes to be a champion. And I think there's 15 lessons within that book. Um, what are some of the key lessons that, you know, are really important for people that want to go on that journey of high performance?
1: Yeah. One, one thing I, I say, there's a chapter in the book called never get too high and never get too low. So it goes back to, you know, managing your energy. And I see a lot of sales leaders and sales managers, especially as they're getting towards the end of a quarter, they start to clamp up, they start to squeeze yeah. and they're trying to, you know, grip. And at the same time, they're they're burning everyone out around them because they're working on impulse and they're working in a reactive way. So you can't, you know, the best of us, don't get too high, don't get too low. Like, find that place for yourself mentally. Yeah. You know what you have to do. You know that the, the numbers are what they are and that you have to get to certain places. But you can't put that pressure on yourself because you the pressure you put on yourself spills over onto other people. Yeah. And again, everyone knows when the end of the month comes or the end of the quarter is coming. Oh man, now this is, you know, it becomes <laughs> like a, you know, a nightmare yeah. to work for you as a, as a sales leader. So everybody knows, as long as you make everything clear up front, what your expectations are, what the expectations are for the team. We all know, we all know it's in front of us. Yeah. We see it. There's no reason to lead with, with, by squeezing. Um, So I always say never get too high, never get too low. And the best of best, you know, when they do great, listen, they're happy. They feel good about it. And when they do poorly, they know they did poorly. So, but they're not going to show it, you know, with, you know, through that emotional roller coaster. So that's, Mm. that's one thing. The other thing is consistency over time is what yields results. So at the end of the day, that person that's just trying to sell for today, they're not, you have to look at sales and you have to look at growth in anything that you do as a progressive process. Mm. That's the result of the routine and the habits that you've put in place for yourself daily. So um, it's important that you you have good day-to-day habits because those habits are going to lead you to consistent success over time. And that's, that's really what it's all about. It's not like I do this on Monday and then yeah. I, I switch it yeah. up. And i do something else on Tuesday and then I switch it again. It's not, you can't be like that, that, um, you can't be that way. It's yeah. not going to help you. And again, it's going to, it's going to burn you out. Yeah. So, um, those, those are two things that I, that I, I believe in, you know, uh, you know, quite a bit. And I have, a you know, we have a great baseball manager here in the United States that I got a chance to work under um, with the Yankees, his name was Joe Tory. Yep. And, and one of the, one of the books uh, chapters in the book is called Tory rules, like basically people first, you got to put people first. And, and I think, um, it's great to be chasing numbers. And I think there's a competitive, um, nature that lives within most salespeople. And I, and I, I think chasing numbers is 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 not a bad thing, you know, mm. as long as you have the process in place, you're consistent. But for those that that lead people and even the, those that are selling, don't forget your decisions are made by people. Yeah. Right. That's one, and and number two, the people that make up your team are people.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, so we're not machines. Yeah. And some days we feel tired. Even if you're in great shape and great condition and you have the perfect diet, there's days when you will be tired, right? Mm-hmm. There's days when you're not going to be 100%. And I, I always found if you could talk to people and understand the people that make up your team and, and understand your response as an individual, even to some of your own decisions and habits, your chance for success you know, goes way up. So. Yeah.
0: That's awesome, man. Look, it's funny you say that because often when I, you know, if I'm coaching a, a sales, you know, professional that is a bit tense, is a bit, um, you know, cause I find a lot of, a lot of salespeople, they put everything into getting that quarter or that month or that week. And then they've got pipeline fatigue, right. Um, which is I've exhausted myself and then I, I haven't got yeah. the energy to temp, keep building. Right. Um, and it's because they're focused, they're focusing all their energy on the number, but they're forgetting that the other things that, that make up that number are crucial, you know, like their daily habits, like you said, is, is doing the small tasks, repetitive, being planned and, and foc- knowing that, you know what, in sales, it's really simple metric. In order to get my outcome, there's all these other things that, are, that I have to do to get there. And if I yeah. skip some steps, what happens is the next month, oh shit, I'm playing catch up, man, because I haven't yep. prospected enough or I haven't done this particular activity enough. And then all of a sudden, I'm in that vicious circle of chasing my number. And, um, you know, that's one of the things that I find that really successful salespeople, you're right, they're not that one that have that manic, you know, one high, one low. I was there, man, you know, I was there in early in my career. I was on a frigging roller coaster, you know what I mean? I was emotionally, it was difficult to manage. I didn't like it. One month I was, you know, happy to be alive. The next month I'm like, man, I gotta go get myself an education because this ain't working out, right? So I quickly yeah. realized what, you know, what you've just said, that never get too high, never get too low is the consistency. And that comes from the things that I do daily, man. So I'm really happy to hear that you know, what you're saying from a high performance is it's, it's, it's keeping that consistency, which is awesome, man.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, and, and at the same time, if you really think about it, right. I always say, you know, you got to get outside of yourself and yeah. just think about people that are obsessive and chasing and, and constantly, you know, going after their next goal. Like just look at that. Does, does that look like something that, that is a, a good way to live? I mean, honestly, it's, there's different ways to achieve the same outcome. Yeah. And again, I was there too. When I was younger, I was burning the candle at all ends and I, and I had nothing to show for it. Mm. Um, not nowhere near what I have now. So, um, you get smarter with age. Yes. But it's also important to pick up on these lessons at any time. So, you know, like there's a different way to do things, you know, and and even the person that's working like a maniac and they are having success, I always challenge them and I say, listen, I bet you half the things that you're doing are not what's leading to your success. I want you to look at everything that you do, and I want you to pick out the one to three things that you do that move the needle for you. And that is what's working. That's where you should be focused on, right? As opposed to trying to do everything
0: so yeah, that's that's pretty that's pretty yeah pretty powerful isn't it man yeah but you
1: got to take the you know what people say you know what they say i i don't have the time to do that i don't <laughs> have the time i have, I have to make food. i i have you have the time yeah you need to make the time or else you know time always you'll get beat by your own timeline you know eventually you'll have to do it because you'll be burnt out fatigued and you'll hate your job and you'll hate what you do when when sales is a great profession. I mean, everything in life is about sales, right? You want to yeah. find a, a wife or a boyfriend, you know, you got to sell yourself. Yeah, yeah. You know, life is about sales and it should be a lot of fun, but, but when we pressurize it and we, we, we feel that squeeze, it seems to lose its
0: fun. And, yeah. um,
1: you know, and that, it shouldn't.
0: That's such an important thing, man. I mean, I, I've run a couple of marathons in my time and, um, I remember one of my first marathons, I was so focused on the time, right? I was so focused on getting a certain time that I didn't enjoy mm. the journey. And then, uh, you know, I did, signed up with a, my best mate and we went and did Chicago Marathon, which was one of the best experiences of my life. And the time was irrelevant, man. It was the journey. It yeah. was, you know, man, I was running at four, a, doing a 36K run before 7am so I could take my boy to soccer, right? So but that yeah. journey was the most enjoyable journey that I ever had. That, you know, that 14 weeks of training and then getting to, getting to Chicago, traveling through the airport, going to the, the, the expo, you know, um, going to see, um, the Blackhawks play, you know, ice hockey, the, you know, two nights before and sinking a beer the night before going, mate, this is awesome. Like that experience, that journey is what I enjoyed and what I actually achieved was I've got a PB, right? But the fact that that that's what I love about the Jim Rohn. You know, he talks about it's not necessarily the destination; it's the journey, and we've got to embrace that journey. And you know what? If we do the 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 key met if we if we know what's required to be successful in sales or in business, and we get yeah. that done, and we don't get the outcome, but we know that we gave it our all, then we can say, you know what? There was things outside of my control, man, but I controlled what was in my control from that circle of influence perspective. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And that's exactly what you just talked about. That's when I coach people, that's what we talk about. I talk a lot about the emotions as to why you want something or, Hey, you know what, when you were going through that run and you were chasing the clock, what, what did you feel? Okay. Yeah. When you, when you weren't, what did you feel? And then we try to create strategy that's, that works based on the things that you like and the things that you don't like. And then we create, you know, something custom for each of us. Cause yeah, same thing with habits, same things with routine, same things with, you know, all of these biohacking opportunities <laughs> that are out there now that people talk about, listen, I, I, I keep it really simple because you have to find what works for you. Like yeah. what works for me may not work for you. I, I don't have a desire to run you know, 36 miles, you know, wherever, you know what I'm (laughs) saying? But that doesn't mean I can't, I can't be in great shape. It's just, that's what you, that, that's what you needed as a challenge. So the same is true for every individual. The same is true for every team. We have to know what it is that our people want, what they need, what they love, what they respond to. And when we take all that data and compile it, we know how to manage people and we learn how to manage ourselves.
0: Yeah. That's sick, man. Re- you yeah, know, that resonates with me big time, man. So, mate, I've got to ask this question because something that I'm really and I know we've we've covered a lot of it already, right? But I I, I want to explicitly ask it. I mean, the two or three characteristics that you personally have observed um, in both, you know, but but more of a, from a, from an athlete perspective that separates high performers from the rest. Huh? Well. It's,
1: it's, uh, it kind of goes back, back to something that we touched upon earlier is that, you know, I, I believe high performers oftentimes, they have such a conviction, you know, to them in what they do and what they want and how they go about their business that it oftentimes gets perceived as arrogance or cockiness yeah. um, or a lack of humility. But, you know, they know what they're capable of. Right. And, and I think so many people that, that we roam the earth with, they don't even know what their capabilities are yeah. because they haven't even maximized their potential. Yeah. And I, I find it to be so, so much of a gift to watch people with real talent work because it just comes so natural to them. Um, but what I also find is once they know what their talent is, the work that they do they know exactly what they need to to kind of water that plant and keep the plant healthy and keep the plant growing. The plant is really, you know, um, is really their talent, right? So they know what they have to do, what they need to do um, to keep that plant healthy and keep that talent alive and well. Yep. And I just find, again, a lot of, a lot of people, they don't take the time to figure out what, what that is and what they actually need, what they respond to um, or where they're wasting time. But it comes down to, the best of the best are very consistent people. They're not up, they're not down. They're not unpredictable. They just, they, there's a level of insanity at times, but, but they know, they know what they have to do and they stick to the plan. They don't get bored with a plan. They, they do what works, right? They're always doing, they know what works. So they do what works. It's not about, uh, let me try this. Let me try that. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're not bouncing. They're yeah. very stable people. Um, so that, that's what I that's what I find.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's just, and you're right. You know, like often see it. People, I'm like, well, why are you doing it this way? Oh, because you know, so you've done something a certain way that's delivered you consistent results, and then all of a sudden we've made that change. Right? Um, so it's yeah. such an interesting, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting concept, and I really appreciate you sharing that with us. I mean, in your career, who would you say is your biggest influence and why? Hmm.
1: Well, I think there's, I've had, it's hard to say one person, you know, for me, I, I always believe that I always say greatness comes from the home. So it comes from the home front. And, you know, for me, my parents, you know, I was brought up with a set of values of hard work and discipline and focus, uh, that, that, that gets taught at home, yep. um, I believe, or, or by a very influential teacher or coach. So, so my parents, you know, I always give them the first position, um, you know, the second position. I, I always give to, um, a guy like Mariano Rivera, who was a great pitcher here in America and, yeah. and mastered his, his mental world and how to perform under pressure. So those are two guys that, uh, you know, my parents and then, you know, Mariano Rivera was, was another. And from the leadership standpoint, Joe Torre, the guy I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. just how to m- remember that you always, that people make up teams and you got to treat people like people. So yeah. those were three, uh, of the most influential, and there's there's hundreds more that have given me a nugget here, a nugget there, and and, and have helped create the package. But um, ultimately, no, number one always comes down to the home.
0: Yeah, uh, such a you know you're, you're right, man. I mean, I've I think similar. You know, come from a, an Italian family, migrated to Australia in the '60s, and uh, you know, one yeah. of the things that my father really helped me develop was my work ethic. You know, like uh, he was not afraid to work hard, man. That's that's one of the only things that, you know, he brought to this country, mate. He brought his work ethic. He brought the fact that he came with nothing. And um, yeah. And so for me, that was a key driver knowing, you know what? I can outwork my competition, man, and I can do it smarter. And uh, for a long time, I didn't. I wasn't smart in the way that I operated. But the minute I found my groove and I knew exactly how to, like you said, conserve my energy, um, which I don't always get right, man. Like at the moment I'm going through that point where my energy is being zapped in areas that, you know, I need to, I need to take back control. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, mean, I, I get it, man. I get that the home life is such an important and integral part to, to development. So I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Mate, yeah. It's, it's
1: super important.
0: Yeah, man. This has been awesome. I've really enjoyed the chat with you today, man. And, and just for our listeners, um, you know, how can they connect with you, get to know you and we'll put all that in the show notes. Um, but what's the best way for them to reach out if they want to learn more?
1: Yeah, the, the best way is uh, dana.cavalier.com, yeah. which is my you know first name last name.com. I I have access to my YouTube and Twitter and all the other social channels, and then yeah. um, that's really the best way to find me. I have the book on there as well, Habits of a Champion, and and uh, you know I always tell people reach out if I can help you. You know if you if you're looking for more, I'm I'm happy to do that. So.
0: Well, awesome um, man and we'll'll yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll put all that out there we'll put links to your book on Amazon and 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 uh, your LinkedIn profile and also your website so people can engage you to direct so I want to say man I'm really humbled and I appreciate you coming on our show um, you shared some insane insight I mean I've got You know, so many notes in front of me, man, that I just want to go back. I want to listen to this episode again and digest some of the stuff that you spoke about because I know that if I listen to this again and I implement a couple of things that you've spoken about, I can even take my performance to another level, man. So I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, man. Bang. What an episode that was to hear someone who has trained the absolute elite To become even better and better at their craft was insane. What I took away from that episode is that sure, skill is important, but the mindset of high performers is what makes them great. The fact that they're coachable, the fact that they want feedback, that they are striving to push themselves to achieve more and more, and that the skill, as much as it plays a part in success, is the mindset and the work ethic can outperform the skill. So my challenge to you this week is, what are you doing to create that growth mindset? What are you doing to become a high performer in your industry so you can be the best sales professional you can be?